This is episode two of the Empowered Athlete Podcast. Typically in gym clothes, I find it such a treat to get dressed up and go out. Paul says I clean up well. We both love nice watches, and I just found a company that's a perfect fit for both of us. Welly Merck watches are Swiss-made, high-fashion accessories that we love, and guess what? We have a discount for you. 15% off any men's or women's watches. Just go to wellymerck.com, that's W-E-L-L-Y-M-E-R-C-K.com, and use discount code W-K-A-R-I-15. So that's capital W, capital K-A-R-I, and 15. So go ahead, shop for yourself, shop for people for Christmas. Enjoy. When you think of an elite athlete, you're going to think about somebody like today's guest, Alicia Newman. She is motivated, fired up, and wants to compete at more than one Olympics. She wants to go to four or five. She's been to one, Tokyo's in her sights, and she is simply Canada's best female pole vaulter of all time. Alicia is such an incredible, vibrant person. When she decided to make it to the Olympics, that's exactly what she did. That's who she is. We welcome Alicia Newman. Welcome to the Empowered Athlete Podcast, created to support athletes in their pursuit of excellence and inspire others toward their best lives. Hosted by Kari Schneider, coach to top performers in sport and life, and Paul Durden, former national and professional volleyball player. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Empowered Athlete Podcast. I'm Paul Durden, co-hosting alongside my beautiful and brilliant wife, Kari Schneider. And with us today is Alicia Newman. Alicia, how are you doing and where are you? I am doing great, guys. It's so nice to be on my very first podcast. Um, I can't wait to get all the juicy questions in and out. <laughs> so it's going to uh, be so much fun. Um, right on. Great. to it. <laughs> I, well, welcome, and we're so lucky to have you, and, you know, we, we really think that you're the beautiful and brilliant one, so my, my gracious husband is looking for bonus points here, I always, think. But... Always, always. I was going to say, Rihanna, do you have a brother or something, Paul? Because I need to find somebody. <laughs> right? No, he, he's, he's not saying that behind the scenes. I, I, I trust, trust me. So, what? Like, where did that come from? <laughs> Oh, well, you deserve it, Kari. For all the years I've known you, you deserve it. <laughs> oh, thanks, babe. That's awesome. So just to give our listeners a little background about you, you're a pole vaulter and you are an incredible athlete. You've accomplished so much. And before I completely gush about you and what you've been able to do over the last few years, um, why don't you tell us a little bit, I mean, between commonwealth games being a champion between being an olympian mm -hmm. and a canadian record holder there's amazing things you've done but that when people see something like that and they recognize these accomplishments they don't often fully understand the road the path the long um journey or the years that have been put in to get to all of these accomplishments so 
So can you back us way Mm -hmm. up? Tell us about where you started. Was it, I think, I mean, I know some of these answers, but for you, gymnastics, like where, where did this all start? Yeah, it pretty much started. I think my mom says, even in as as graphic as it sounds in the delivery room, she says, when I was out in the hospital, like my eyes were bright open. And the first thing the doctor said when I was born was, oh, this one's going to be a tough one. This one's going to be a fighter. And we were (laughs) laughing because my mom says, I'm not. She loves all her kids very equally, but I am the hardest to, <laughs> to handle. And I think a lot of times um, I realize now who, I, who I'm becoming and who I have become. Um, I probably have that kind of toughness um, inside me. And that's what makes me such a great athlete now who I am. Um, but it did start where I was, I'd never wanted to be at school. I always wanted to be working out and training and um, playing in the gymnastics gym. I remember my mom would have to come and find me. I'd play hide and go seek. Like she couldn't, I'd be the last person getting out of the gymnastics gym. And I just enjoyed it so much. <laughs> like it was just so much fun. And, um, I think over the years of, you know, you, you, my parents were so very, very, very supportive. And my mom did such a great job on putting us in everything from piano to tap, to dance, to soccer, to hockey, to lacrosse, to everything you could possibly think a child could try. I'm pretty sure I tried almost every single sport. Um, and I did you did you really dislike any one of those, or were they all equal? Like, were you did you quit some of them, or were some of them just like, no, I want to keep doing this? Or well, what was, I think what were yeah. Some one of the things was I think when I got there, like my mom, you know, usually you pay for like a four four week session, or even a March break, or a spring break kind of class and you could just tell as a parent like I would either come home and talk about it all day or I would wake up earlier than I'm supposed to my alarm and want to go and so um I think the one I just didn't really like that like it like it was very very um obvious was hockey but it wasn't I not because I didn't like being out there I actually really enjoyed it but my mom said I hated the smell of the equipment. Understandable. <laughs> I would always complain about the smell of the equipment. So I oh, yeah. so do I. It's okay. <laughs> I hate it and, too. You know, so I start laughing, but and then I remember like, you know, like little things come up in your head. And my brothers, after they would play, their gloves would smell so gross and they would put it in my face. And I think that's what <laughs> that's turned why. me off. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Yeah, you were traumatized. You're totally traumatized. Who would have known? I maybe could have been a Team Canada hockey player, but hey, <laughs> that's right. We still, we still would have crossed paths. I know. It's okay. That's, that's a good thing. <laughs> that's so yeah. funny. Oh my gosh. So then, did you? What? What were the kind of top ones that you stuck with? Because that what's interesting about this, and that you wouldn't have heard yet, is is just the theme that's been coming across with some of the different mm-hmm. athletes we've interviewed is that they've had exposure to all these different mm-hmm. sports and they, all they wanted to do was, was play. Right. Like they just, just yep. couldn't get enough mm-hmm. of that and couldn't get enough of almost all these different sports. So what kind of narrowed it down for well, you? Well, I think like, like you said, like, I think what was so great, all these athletes just love being active and love being outside or love doing physical things. Um, I think it was um, more for me, it was, I was finally feeling rewarded after the day, if that makes sense, where I felt like, mm-hmm. you know, at first I was playing soccer and I was playing the piano and I'd get stickers or I'd get candy from my coach or my teacher. And that was exciting to me. But when I started mm-hmm. gymnastics and the coach would come up to my mom, okay, now Alicia goes from 
um, six hours a week. Now she gets to move to the next level. She gets to be in the gym eight hours a week. And I just, <laughs> that was my favorite part is that I kept, um, this sounds horrible, but I kept losing time at school and replacing it to the gym. <laughs> so I was like, if I could get real good, then I maybe don't have to go to school ever again. That was my plan. And, that was and, my plan. Yeah, you, you did some of that too, didn't you? <laughs> right. And yet, it's funny how you end up you end up going to university in order to keep competing, right? Like it's it's almost like it's double edged sword. Where oh man, what got me out of school, and now I have to stay in school to keep doing what I want right. to do. And that's where I think that's where my mom finally like saw in me where okay, uh, we're gonna like just let everything else go, and we're gonna have her focus on gymnastics. And that was probably the age of six or seven, which is still pretty young. Um, but she knew too, because I got bullied really, really bad. Well, I switched three schools in London and, uh, I think a combination of me loving it and adding those hours and a combination of me being bullied, not wanting to be at school, like made me into this, um, so, so strong and I feel so confident and I'm, I'm happy on where, who I've become because of everything I've gone through. Um, and I think that's been, you, you must have. You must have, this must have been horrible for you to have to switch schools, Mm -hmm. like, and at such a young age, how old were you when you had to, when you were going through that? Grade, uh, probably grade six. So how old are you at grade six? Mm. I don't even know. About 12. Yeah, Yeah, about 12. And then, um, yeah, and then I switched again going into high school. I didn't go to the high school my um, siblings went to. So I I was like the only one that didn't go to a full French school. I went to MTS. Um, instead of mostly Apple, yeah. So, um, no. Why? Why were you being bullied? You what was the? Was it I, your size? Was it an attitude? Do you, do you know what it was? Or was well, it just... I had I had glasses, I had braces. You know that the the typical, you know, um, what do they call you? Four eyes and um, train track face or train track teeth. I don't know. They said some yeah. mean things, but I oh. also um, and I do not ever regret this. But I went to a French school at first, um, Ecole Farandre, and I learned French mm-hmm. almost before I ever learned English. So I, yeah. my reading skills and writing skills were not as great in English as they were in French. I was actually better and getting better grades in French than I was in English. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of, like, you know how you do, like, um, chapter readings in the classroom where I would always pass yeah. because I was just so, I was just not confident to read in English read English and my yeah. mom was just like but this is like your first language like we, we read to you growing up like we were so involved in it and I just for yeah. some reason I grasped I grasped on to French the French language way better than the English language and um, yeah. I think a lot of students started realizing as the years gone by that you know I was having a lot of trouble you know I a little bit of tutoring and extra stuff for to learn English and to get up to where everyone else was um, that just people started noticing. And I, I think it hurt me a lot because it didn't make sense to me that <laughs> English is supposed to be my first language, but how am I speaking and doing better in French classes than I am in English classes? Yeah. And, and that's both, both my daughter. So our, the boys are first language French right. and the girls aren't first language French, mm-hmm. but they've been put in full French schools. Right. And it's the same kind of thing. And Raina's in university for the first year mm-hmm. this year. And, but I see her spelling in English yeah. versus, versus French. But at the same time, she's, 
she's come a long way with right. it. Like I think that overcoming it, but like it, it, as as a kid that age, you just feel like you're yeah. doing everything wrong, and you just don't understand right. it. And, and people it, are reassuring you that you're you're not the best, or you're not doing the right things. And it, it but at the at, you know at the core of it, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like and at the core of it, like because I know your mom. Yes. And how supportive she is. But then at the same time, it doesn't, it almost doesn't matter because Mm -hmm. you, what you're feeling at the time as a, as a 12 year old or a 10 year old or a 13 year old, Mm -hmm. what you're feeling like is that, oh, I'm stupid Mm -hmm. or, oh my gosh, everybody thinks I'm ugly or I don't fit in. And and it, yeah. yeah, And you need to primally feel like you are accepted by your peers in order to feel to feel like you're surviving exactly and and then exactly that like you you and that's where i found my um i guess you could say that light and that passion that i was getting you know moved up those hours in gymnastics and that's why i devoted my whole heart and my passion towards gymnastics was because that was my relief at the end of the day like i knew that my dad was picking me up around like i think it was like 132 and i would go to the gymnastics gym and starting at 230 I knew I was one of the best, if that makes sense, where yeah. I'd go to school every yeah. morning knowing I wasn't. And so it's, a, but you were forced yeah. to go there. So it's a different because, you know, they say like, you have to go to school, get your grad or your degree, you know, everyone needs it. Well, now with, I mean, the world we live in now, there's so many people that aren't going to school, Options. you know, because yeah. they just, yeah. and it, it's not that I don't believe in school. I think school's great. I think it teaches you how to be responsible and it, it brings a lot of friends and it brings a lot of, you know, social, um, I guess, aspects to your life. But at the end of the day, it's not for everybody. And that's where well, that line comes in. Right. And at the same time, it's where you didn't feel you belonged. Mm-hmm. You felt like the people who got you they really got you were at the, at gymnastics, your coaches or your peers, like Mm -hmm. that's where you were shining. And at school, it's like, nobody understood you. They didn't know who you really were. Mm -hmm. They were judging you by other things. And, you know, it's just, it's so it's, um, it's at that age, it's almost, um, soul crushing because if you didn't have gymnastics, if your mom wasn't savvy enough to kind of follow what was lighting you up then who knows you know what I mean and that's and that's the kind of thing that um hopefully kids don't go Mm -hmm. through as much anymore but you know I still see it like I'm I am monitoring my child today about some things that are going on on the bus right you know with some older kids what do you what do you do you just try and figure it out how bad is it and yeah so what um what happened uh, how did you really kind of grow in gymnastics? Mm-hmm. What ages were you achieving certain things that really kind of kept you um, progressing? Yeah, I think um, like the one time was when I was with all the big girls. So there's girls about two years, three years older than me. And I made it to level eight. I know the levels have changed now dr- drastically, but at my time um, I was in level eight and then there was level nine and then there's national level. So I knew I was almost there. Um, but when I knew I got to that level seven and level eight, you know, you were going um, to meets almost every weekend. You were you're getting up early you're getting your hair done by your mom or your coaches. You know, you're getting makeup done. And at that point, that's where I became um, 
almost an actress, if that makes sense. I became mm-hmm. I turned a performer. A performer. I, I became the person. Yeah. Um, somebody else, but deep down it was me, but it was me becoming the person I envisioned myself being. And that's where I truly fell in love with myself and fell in love with um, athletics or just like any sports in general. Um, it, it brought a different side of me that um, every day didn't. Um, you know, like people, like kids get excited about ice cream and kids get excited about candy or, you know, other things. I got excited to show my routine off or go on the balance beam or, you know, be at practice with the girls and getting yelled at. Like I enjoyed. Um, someone telling me you're not yet there you have still this much more to go and that's that's where we still to this day don't know where that came from <laughs> if that makes well sense. I was just gonna say I was just gonna say so your fire was lit yeah but I know for Paul and I know for some other athletes that part of their fire mm-hmm. was lit by this this mm-hmm. almost um retaliatory revenge of going I'll show you right this this part mm-hmm. inside of them that for all those people mm-hmm. who laughed or all those people who teased or all those people who hurt me, right? Like I'll show you. Yeah, I think um, at my age though, I didn't really. I it hurt me and it bothered me, but I kind of almost felt like it was it was normal. Like you know, I'm gonna be bullied for the rest of my life, and I'm just gonna let that happen. I think now I realize, man, all the things that is that's not normal. That is not normal. What I went. And not good. And it's yeah. not good at all. But that fire in me must have just been lit subconsciously because when I was out there on the dance, it, maybe it was more the fact that when I was out there performing, like everyone was watching me, but no one was judging me, if that makes sense. Like I was mm-hmm. out there they- to perform and I was the only one out there and no one could tell me anything to do at that point. Everything else around me left. Like I had no idea what else other people were doing. It was me, Alicia, in my zone. The music starts. I'm going. You know, and I think it's like you you finally have your own control. Yeah, too. it's like a sense of um, relief, and I had my space, and I had what do you say, like an exit wound of nothing could hurt me. At uh, that it's point, like it's you know, yeah, it's almost cathartic. Yeah. It's like a release for you. It's amazing. Yeah. Wow, <laughs> that's incredible. That's incredible. Oh, yeah, and it, and it ended up going all the way till I was about 14 years old. So I had a good about eight years of gymnastics um, that kind of unrolled in my life, which I'm so grateful for, honestly. <laughs> and so what happened at 18? Oh, sorry, Paul. I was going to ask the same question. And how, from the gymnastic world, yeah. what was your first look at track and field in that realm? Yeah, I think it's when did the switch occur? I um I was getting a lot of pain and it was a lot of aching pain where I was laying in bed at night and I was sore and we knew we had to go get it checked out and it wasn't anything major. I didn't like fall and I ended up fracturing my L five. It was so much training, but I had grew grew from five five to five eight within I think like six to eight months. And so my body just wasn't prepared to um I think take the load of training. And that's where I ended up fracturing my L5 vertebrae. Um, and that's where the coaches came, saw how tall I was, and um, saw me. To continue, you, you need to take care of your body. You're young. You're 14 years old. You have your whole life ahead of you. Um, we cannot, um, we cannot uh, risk anything. So I think... A decision between my family, my coaches, 
we decided to go into retirement and let it heal fully. So I had to take a full year off of all athletics um, to be um, fully healed. And that was, that, was that devastating for you when, oh the, you know, athletics is your stage. It was mm-hmm. your, it was your space mm-hmm. to shine and that's gone for a year. Yeah, it was, um, let's just say my mom and my parents had to really look after me after hours and, um, you know, I couldn't fall asleep for some nights and I was really sick and I just didn't really feel, I felt the, like some, someone ripped my soul away from me. And I didn't understand that because I was so young and I didn't understand. I I never had a heartbreak in my entire life. And that was my very first heartbreak was being told that I wasn't, my body wasn't capable. My mentally I was there, but physically my body wasn't capable of finishing what I wanted to accomplish, which was become an Olympic gymnast. Um, And that's where um, my mom, you know, did really well. She told me to do after school programs. Um, I did go to more tutoring and I really did start focusing on school a little bit. And then I graduated elementary school and I went to high school and it kind of all turned around for me where my English teacher, you know, elementary school, there's always the one meet a year that we have track and field. Um, yeah. Yeah. What's it called? Not, oh, a TV like, raw. Um, is a TV raw? I no, that was high school. TV. I don't know. It's, it's like the elementary school. The smaller have, version of that. Yeah, yeah. They have yeah. the one, yeah. um, you know, we go to TD Waterhouse and like everyone, there's like yep. 10 people yep. in each lane and we were running. We've taken all the kids yeah, there. exactly. <laughs> and I just like bolted it down the 100 meter and my English teacher, because I had taken a lot of time with him, spending time with him after schools for him to help my English. I actually still remember his name, Mr. Walsh. He was so good with me. I, I was like, he was the, he was like a second dad to me. And he called my mom right as I was finishing the race saying, you need to put her in track and field. And that's where it kind of lit. It became, okay, well, let's let this heal. It's been about, been about probably six, six to eight months at this time. Um, so we need to let this heal, finish heal. Let's go see the doctor and see if she can do another sport. And that's where I found my passion for track. <laughs> oh, I know. Is it, now, how did you like? Did you get? Did you decide you were gonna do the meet, or did someone else kind of put you into it? Or I think it was. Like, I was what? forced. I, like I was forced by people around me. I don't think it was something like, oh, like yeah, oh, I'm gonna go sign up for this. It was like I think if you're part of the phys ed program, you could sign up, and then I just signed up. Um, and then they were like, okay, you have a, you can do a meet at the end of this, this year, at the end of every school year, and you can do as many events as you want. So I think I did the hundred, I did, um, shot put, I did a high jump. Um, I did like little, little, the little events. (laughs) Do you, do you think that before that track meet, do you think that looking back Mm -hmm. on it, do you think you were depressed? Oh, hundred percent. Like hundred percent. I was going through something that my mom had very good control over she she was just so aware of and I don't know how she did it I still don't know how she did I just felt like I was like a walking zombie if that makes sense I just went through every day with no purpose and I had no idea how to handle that and like I said I, I started like when I was up to 24 hours a week in gymnastics you know I started not having friends at school because you know they would go play after school at their 
one of the houses where I would be at the gymnastics gym till nine o'clock at night, you know? So then I started to have to make friends, but there was already clicks and then you have to break those clicks and you had to like do, do bad things to like get in those clicks. And so it was just, it was a very big social adjustment for me. And I, I, I just, I think I just rolled with it. And my mom kept me so busy, um, at home with tutors, with, you know, keeping me up watching movies and, you know, taking us out for ice cream. And, you know, every Friday night we did pizza night and, you know, just, she was very, very, she kind of devoted all her life to her children. And that's one thing my mom is so great at. And she knew you so well. She knew that you needed distraction Mm -hmm. in order to stay busy Mm -hmm. in order to just have a chance. So when you bolted down the track, yes. <laughs> um, what, what, what went from there? What happened after that? So that's where my English teacher called. And then my mom was like, hey, we're going to, we Googled the track and field clubs. And two came up, um, London Western and London Legion. And my mom emailed both of them. And London Legion was the very first people to um, email my mom back. So we're like, okay, we're going to go with um, London Legion. And I started uh, with Sandy and Joe Ryder and I was um, doing hurdles and just running like getting in shape and it was funny because I still remember to this day Sandy laughs because I would always ask for extra work because track only lasts probably an hour and a half to two hours right you don't you're not there for very long yeah <laughs> and your training age was such that like unlike the other athletes oh you'd endured so much what do you mean funny we're done yeah I was yeah. Done. that's what I was saying I'm like we're all yeah. done now like I have to go home it's only only 5 30 like I have the rest of the night what am I supposed to do <laughs> and I would be freaking out as like a 14 year old not knowing what to do and it's so yeah. crazy to like think back about that but um I really had to tra- train my brain to say that I didn't need to be training um eight hours a day like a good two hours of putting in work um it took me a, like probably four years I'm not lying four years to train my yeah. brain for that um, because I think even with you, Kari, I ended up getting st- not like with you because of you, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. years, my, I think I got stress fractures. We had to pull you, we had to pull you back. Yeah. yeah Cause there was always, mm-hmm. you, you wouldn't want to listen to your body yeah. for those little things that would give you warnings right. where it's like, okay, we have to back off here. Mm-hmm. And, and you'd, you'd either want to hide that or ignore that because you wanted so badly to keep going. And part of it, I, I would imagine, would be from the pain of not wanting to go back to where you were. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, like just that fear of, well, I, I just want to keep doing this. Mm-hmm. I want to keep doing this. I don't want to be able to, or I don't want to be stuck with doing nothing. Right. And I think, too, with the, the whole body changing, because, you know, you're putting in those, um, those, hours in gymnastics you're not gaining any weight <laughs> in gymnastics mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're working out those full five hours where after that I only was you know I felt like I my body developed I became more of a woman you know I, you know I I wasn't didn't understand what boobs were like I didn't understand that yeah. I had to and I had to train my mind that it's okay to to look like that to look a little more curvy and to deal with my body changing was very, very high. I remember the first thing I said when I retired gymnastics and I told my um, gymnastics coach, Jen Kramer, I said, I don't want to get fat. And that was the first thing I said was I was worried about when I was mm-hmm. leaving gymnastics. And she said, she says, if you do 
um, take a song for every day and do abs <laughs> for that whole song. You won't get fat. And I remember her just like easing my mind. And I did it for like four years straight. I did. Oh, my God. Like, whether it's a four minute song, just straight for the four minutes. And it was. Now, now Kari, Kari, are you cringing? Because yeah. it's one of the yeah one of the greatest myths in all of training is spot reduction <laughs> of fat does not exist so i know the idea that uh, but yeah. she knows she knows that <laughs> oh now. i know i know but i mean just you hearing that it's gotta make it oh no kidding but it's it's that kind of thing that as a young kid like i remember in working with you you were so hungry to like eat up anything you could mm-hmm. on training like you were so hungry for all of that mm-hmm. but at the same time it's but at the same time you're also curious about what to eat what not to mm-hmm. eat and and I think your mom was also really really supportive that way because she was she was helping to support you with healthy mm-hmm. things but it's it's amazing because I see this so often where somebody's got so much activity so I see this in o- older athletes too when they're retiring from their sports mm-hmm except for Paul. He's the, he's one of the most disciplined people, athletes on the planet. Just but... me those tips, Paul. <laughs> yeah. But, just, but just say no. They... It's, you just, it's, honestly, oh honestly, I just have oh the ability to say no to things oh, that others he don't. Does. So it's, he does. You know. Like he's seriously, he's very disciplined when it comes to food, That's but, amazing. but, on, but really, but so many athletes they retire mm-hmm. and then they still eat the same as they did when they were playing yeah, and the difference with paul is that he like he listens to how he feels how his body like he's not he could never feel over full mm-hmm. on a day that he's got practice or playing you know what it's like in gymnastics you could never feel over full mm-hmm. when you had practice or competition or anything like that otherwise you you can't perform properly so you'd only eat small amounts in order to or if you're eating a larger amount it'd be after training and later in the day or after you know what i mean and but then that person who is retired or they have an injury or they're not doing anything Mm -hmm. the body is sending hunger signals when you're not actually needing that food right the more you sit around, the hungrier you get, so which true. people don't realize that that training ends up being, um, it thwarts your hunger. It's mm-hmm. not, you might get more hungry later and boost your metabolism later, but during the day, if you're active all day, it's it thwarts the, the hunger signals that you would get otherwise. Mm-hmm. But no, I don't, like, I don't envy any kid that has so much energy like you did. I mean, we have kids like that in our household. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, everything stops. Mm-hmm. You know, what are you, you going to do? And you're at that time where you're going through puberty. So you're going to be growing still. And you're going to be um, gaining some fat in the right places because you're female, mm-hmm. which is a good thing and a healthy thing. Right. But then at the same time, the confusion of, well, this isn't my image of what a gymnast is because my image mm-hmm. in my head is different than what's happening to exactly. me. Exactly. exactly. And that was what took me, like I said, before I had even come to empowerment, I was, um, I was with a strength coach that did only uh, depend on body image. And I think that's where it kind of affected my mental state on food because I remember being on a diet that he had provided and it just was not, um, it was not for, uh, athlete that, that worked out as much as I did 
and was doing stuff, you know? Um, that's yeah. where we regret doing that. But honestly, at this point, because of that, I have learned so much about nutrition and my past when I went yeah. to school and I, you know, did part nutrition in my, um, in my degree. So it's like, everything does happen for a reason and I don't change it. But at the end of the day, it's crazy how one person with just a little bit wrong info can um, really affect your whole life. And that's where we go into talking about, you know, trusting people and your team around you. It's, it's very hard because it takes a while. Yeah. And, and at the same time, you were young enough and had gone through enough mm -hmm. that it was, it was easy to start to be afraid of food and have a relationship with food right. that wasn't necessarily healthy. Exactly. And that's, and that's a tough mm -hmm. thing. And, you know, we, we recently interviewed someone who is in a sport that is, you know, there's, they're in a bathing suit all the time. Right. And then the body image and some of the things that the coaches might say, mm -hmm. you know, you're just like, that's got nothing to do with their coaching or their performance or, or those other things. So have you had any of those experiences on the track or on um, where you were self-conscious with your body image? Yeah, I think my first year university really um, kind of hit me hard. I I think I did kind of gain that freshman 15. I think it was more like a freshman 10, but um, mm -hmm. my body totally changed and it could have been um, not really from the food, but more so just the different atmosphere away from home. Um, you're living in dorms with other people. Um, you know, your, your training schedule, your weightlifting has gone up double and your training practices and stress level has gone up so high. There's so many factors that you really can't really pin down or pinpoint one um thing that changed me but yeah and it's likely the combination yeah. of all of it and, yeah that's and a the, tough scenario just being an athlete you have your routines and, mm -hmm. and things that you fall into and then you know you make a little change and see what effect it has but you're describing yeah. just you know complete massive change right how exactly. can you pinpoint anything and not have yeah gain weight or lose weight or have, mm -hmm. you know something else entirely happen and I think that's where at first and it bothered me right at the beginning because you know you would I mean it's it's simple like you, people know when they gain weight you know your jeans fit a little tighter or your shirt or sports bras you know fit a little snugger but it wasn't like I accepted it once I started jumping high like I after like I think my indoor season it, it wasn't until my very last meet it was MAC championship and I ended up qualifying for indoor nationals and they only take top 16 in the country to indoor nationals. And I was 16 and my coach at the beginning was like, okay, let's just like, let's have that goal in the back of our mind, but like, let's let not that be our number one goal. But you know me, Kari, like, I was like, that's yep. right in front of my mind. Like, yeah, I know what I'm going so for. I think like, and that's where it comes into proving people wrong. Like how Paul said, like he felt like he had to do it was that's what at that point where I started wanting to prove people wrong was that one coach in my life um, was scared to dream really big. And I don't mm. I don't um, I don't regret him doing that to me. I think it's done me a lot of good. But I think now that he sees what I'm doing now, he realizes where that drive and that passion came for, because I'm OK to shoot for as high as I can. And if I just, you know, fall a little short. It's still going to be high enough to be 
you know, world class or in the top in the nation, you know. So at the end of the day, I always try to shoot as big as I can. Um, and and for that coach, you probably um, taught him to dream bigger. Exactly. I think it was a little bit you know? of both, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But, and that's where my very last meet, and it just wasn't going, like the whole indoor season, my freshman year was not going well. I just couldn't figure it out. And I, I was self-conscious. I didn't even want to wear, you know, pole vaulters wear the bum huggers and um, the little singlet. So I just was not comfortable from going from gymnastics scene an eight pack to maybe seeing a one yeah you know, yeah maybe even just two, yeah, two pack that's two okay some days you know and it was very uncomfortable for me at that point because I had no um I didn't think I could be great looking that way and then I jumped high yeah. that last meet and I qualified for indoor nationals and it was like okay I can relax now I jumped high looking this way that means if even if I lose a little weight maybe I'll jump a little higher and I, I still went at it as the wrong way I shouldn't have thought, okay, yeah. I can lose weight and I'll jump higher. It was, no, I'm yeah. getting better and you just need to like ride this wave. Um, yeah. Well, it's, it's like a light bulb going off because mm-hmm. at that moment you realize that your, your weight doesn't, you know, correlate directly to your performance, that right. how you look has no, it has some bearing, but not total mm-hmm. bearing on how you perform. And so you have this amazing right. performance, mm-hmm. not feeling perfectly physically in, in a way you go. And, and that was in Michigan. You're at yeah, that was at Eastern Michigan. Eastern Michigan, year. sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So was, what prompted the, the move to, to Miami and the Hurricanes? Yeah, so he ended up um, getting offered a job down in Miami. And um, at first, um, the head coach at Eastern Michigan would not give me a release. And for people that don't really understand, um, transferring is you have to be released by your head coach to go to another um, school. You, you can't just like be like, okay, I'm leaving. Like if you sign in the contract and I was on full ride scholarship down there. So um, they pretty much own my life as, as it is. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, um, yeah. And then it was funny because um, I was like, well, I need to talk to him because I wasn't even allowed to talk to him. Like I wasn't even allowed to communicate because she, she never knows if she, he's trying to like recruit me there or try to find a, a yeah and there's so many ncaa rules that way yeah but she gave me um uh it's called release to speak so i was only allowed to speak to other coaches at other schools but i wasn't allowed to go there i wasn't allowed to accept other workouts but what we saw what we found a loophole behind and he did so like i he saved my life i loved eastern michigan it was a great school but it just wasn't for me it wasn't um there wasn't enough um, energy for me. I needed more, you know, city life and I needed more, you know, Coral, Coral has that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I needed excitement. And like, I always dreamed about going to school in Florida or somewhere warm because I want, it's track and field. I want to be outdoors all year, right? Yeah. So um, we found a loophole, long story short, was by him giving us a release to speak, I can go on a visit to Miami. And that's where I went. And I, um, that summer, actually, I ended up winning Pan Am Juniors, breaking the Pan Am record and jumping 440, which had won indoor nationals the year before. So uh, Miami head coach was like, yes, her name's Amy Dean. And she was like, yes, we need her here. Um, and so we ended up convincing um, Sue Parks. We had a, we did, 
pretty much we appealed each time she said no. And finally, um, I had to do some bad things <laughs> to, um, to, le- to, make, to get the release. Not like illegal things, but I would show up to practice and be like, um, why am I here? I would swear at the coach. I was forcing my way out of that um, school. And uh, <laughs> I cannot tell you. That's how. just normal for you, isn't it? I'm just kidding. I'm totally kidding. <laughs> it depends on what day, Paul. It depends oh. on what day. Did you ever swear yeah. at Kari in the gym? Oh, probably, but like, no, maybe yeah. not. I had too much respect she, for Kari. She swore. <laughs> she swore, but she didn't swear at me. In your general direction. Corner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I might have, we had to take, go aside for a talk or two here and there yeah. just to kind of go, okay, where are we at? Yeah. What, what are we going to get done here? Today? Definitely <laughs> gave you bad attitude, Kari, for sure. For sure. <laughs> there are some rough days. There are some rough days. Yeah. <laughs> so but there's a lot of good days. Yes, too. that is very true. Um, so yeah, pretty much I am. Um, and then the coach went up to the head coach and was like, listen, she is toxic to the team. She cannot be here. You have to let her go. She doesn't like it here. And with me doing it for two weeks straight, they, they gave up and they were like, okay, you're, you're gone. We give you your release, but it wouldn't have happened if I didn't, um, force yeah, my push way. it. But for some reason, you know, when you have a dream or you have something, it's like, you're not going to let anybody mess up your goals in life. And you're not going to let anybody, you know, second guess. Like I knew I needed to be down there just because, um, I mentally was going to be happier there. I had the coach that I wanted to go when I went on recruiting visits to, I went to, um, I went to Michigan and I went to a bunch of them and I bonded so well with coach Langley. He was at Eastern at that time. And I knew I needed to do my four years with him just because I felt so comfortable with him. Um, and so I pretty much said, whatever it takes for me to get there, I'm going to do. And it took, I wonder, I wonder why they even allowed the visit, the loop, you know what yeah, I mean? Like the, the, the speaking, because that, that's, that's what like gave you just the crack in the mm-hmm. door open enough to like, okay, I'm getting through yeah. this. I'm going. Yeah. And I think it, you know? well, it made, I think made Amy Dean feel better. She was head coach at Miami because she met me and she was able to really see what type of person I am. And she, she was like, dang, this girl is very passionate at what she does. And it doesn't just show on last summer. She jumped high, but she loves track and field. And this is like, this is what she wants to do. And so um, she stuck out her neck for me and so did coach Langley. And then, you know, um, coach Parks, she, that was the head coach at Eastern. She, um, ended up saying, you know what, you're better off to leave. And we ended on good terms, but it was more just civil because, um, I didn't like how, um, she was forcing a child to be in a place that they don't want to be. I know it's a business and I know I was on full ride scholarship and I know I had want to get them a lot of points when I was down there, but you don't want you don't want to like make a person like change or yeah. like force yeah, them force yeah. them to be somewhere and that's where I don't yeah. get the state on that stuff like if there's an yeah. athlete that doesn't want to be there you got to let them go because um but it's it, it's a big money situation sure. right like they're they're athletes are part of the commodity of the schools mm-hmm. and you know so yeah. that's that's what they're mm-hmm. signing and yeah. yeah well what um so you finished your degree in um in Florida. Yeah, I did um and kinesiology and sports med down there. Um nice. Yeah, it was good. If I were to go back though, I would have done interior decorating. 
Well, that was something that that was on my mind. So because you're now you have more of a social media presence. Mm-hmm. You're really emphasizing your style, your look. Um, you're standing out in a way that you can tell that you're really settling into your own. Right. Is is that? And and I was going to say earlier, mm-hmm. you know, that point where you realize that you could perform, and your body, uh, even though your body wasn't exactly the way you wanted it to look, mm-hmm. it almost that it's a what came to mind for me is that that might have been when you started to fall in love with your body again. Mm-hmm. And that now you see it as the whole you instead of, you know, oh, I like you body if you're doing what I want you to do. And I don't like you if you're not looking the way I want you to. But now when you fall back in love with your body, then you, you know, you, you nurture it Mm -hmm. and you treat it a different way. And it's, it's all of you Mm -hmm. instead of you against your body. You know what I mean? Well, and, and like you said, like mental is so connected to physical. And I think it was, Mm -hmm. wasn't. To be honest, though, it was 2016, the year of my first Olympics. I said, you know what? I'm I'm vowing, like I'm making vows to myself that this year I'm not making um I'm not making adjustment adjustments on my nutrition or the way I look. I'm going into this year gonna look the way I do qualifying for the Olympics the way I look. And that like automatically changed like everything that, I just started jumping. that mental shift oh, that paradigm huge, shift huge. and and I love what you just said I I pick up on these things all the time <laughs> I love what you just said it's that presupposition it's that 2016 my first olympics yeah. I hear you at a girl I hear you well, you know I want to do five olympics uh, <laughs> yeah. I'll be around for a while um, <laughs> that's fantastic yeah. so and and that's where I really if you wanted to ask about that breaking point in, in my athletics, it was that year. Um, because I just, there's so much emotions leading up to that year. You know, I became like a fifth time all American and I graduated that year. And then, uh, four weeks later, I qualified for my first Olympic games. And, um, it almost was like, man, I, I accomplished the past 12 years through gymnastics. And then now through university and through elementary and everything everything I went through was so worth it like I cannot believe when they named my name to that Olympic team the amount of relief I felt just I did it and it it worked and at some points like you said like you both probably feel in your day in day out you go through so many things that you think this is the end of me and then you get through it and it was like wow I'm that much better because of it and my 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 breaking point or my breakthrough year was definitely 2016 um for confidence wise for sure and and what did that feel like making it like having your dream come true going to the olympics feeling that come to fruition what was that like for you um it was like it was like you know like a dark tunnel you've been like walking through for decades <laughs> and then all of a sudden you see like a little glimpse of light and it your hope just like changed from you know I I like at one point I remember before I even qualified for the Olympics I was like wow after this year I guess I'm gonna have to go into the working world and it wasn't because I didn't want to I wanted to work and make money but I wanted to make money and be a professional doing the thing I love and that was pole vaulting and yeah that glimpse of like opening my 
my life to, oh, I'm on like a world stage now. I'm with the best women in the world. I'm competing for my country. It was a whole different level of, um, like, it's hard. It's such, um, it's like a, you're floating in the clouds <laughs> that yeah. is, that's falling, but it's never hitting the ground. It lets you down so gently and you just want to keep doing it. You just want to, it's like, it's like a, a sense of adrenaline and a, a sense of your purpose and your, your, your crazy goals came true. And it's like, you're surprising yourself. You, you surprise yourself on, on, I did it. And I, it's such a hard feeling to describe. I don't know, Paul, like, how do you describe that feeling? I feel like, you know, but I don't like, it's so well, I th- hard. I think, I think it's really hard to describe because it's an evolution in your mind as an athlete mm-hmm. of simply being focused on the next step. So for you, you you're in the NCAAs, you're focused on winning nationals and, mm-hmm. and, and that, and then, you know, your mind, you know, Olympics is there, but and being representing Canada and all those things that you just talked about that take you to almost that euphoric level. Right. But until you do it and feel it, yeah, uh, you don't know what you're missing. So it's mm-hmm. kind of like finding a new drug. It's a new high right. above what you're used to. And, you know, that stage that, you know, it's kind of been the theme through your your story on the talk here today right. of just, you know, wanting to be on that gymnastic stage in the spotlight. Right. Well, there is no bigger spotlight than the Olympics. So right. you're thrust onto this massive stage, which just feels completely different. And I mean, I can't relate to that personally, but yeah. uh, just having gone through, you know, world championships and world cups and right. European cups and things like that, it, it touches on it, but it's, yeah, getting to that next level that, you don't even really know is there until you're mm-hmm. in it. And then it's, uh, it's an amazing fuel. I mm-hmm. found that yeah. once you have it, you don't want to let it go. You want exactly. to stay at that level and do anything you can to stay there and just to stay there. Yeah. Ride that train. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, exactly. And that's like, that's the feeling, you know, you put in, you're putting in all this work day in and out, not knowing if it's even going to benefit you. And you're just, you're hoping that everything comes together that one day. And when it does, it's just, mind-blowing that every little factor that could have gone wrong didn't and I think that's more how it how I felt that you know it came together the the, even the little things the unpredictables came together yes exactly so where so you've you've are you injured right now where's uh yeah so I'm injured right now so I've um since 2016 um I've made a became a Nike athlete. I'm professional now. Um, I'm living in Toronto full time and my coaches are here, Doug Wood and Zed Nick. They, Doug Wood was in the 92 Olympics for um, men's pole vault. And so his coach, Zed Nick, lives here, but he's from Czech Republic and they work together um, at a construction company and they come and see me um, every day after work. So I have a really nice setup here. We have um, the Olympic Hub here at York University where Athletics Canada um, built us our own weight room. And we have an indoor track and two outdoor tracks here. Um, So I'm in a really good environment. But um, this past year, I well, I've been dealing with um, jumper's knee. It's not nothing surprising to um, any jumper, right? Never heard of it. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh <laughs> my gosh. You His knees, man. <laughs> He's like, oh, Sorry, okay. go on. I just had to say that. <laughs> yeah, no, serious. Um, and I had dealt with it from 2017 to, to now. And, it, and we were monitoring so well. We did such a great job. You know, we got through world champs with it. We, um, we got through Commonwealth Games and we were monitoring it. And then I thought I was for sure going to get through it um, until about August this year. But May, I took off and it just it tore my patella tendon. Uh. So um, I ended up saying, you know, well, if any year it could have happened, I already had brought home the Commonwealth gold. We did what we needed to do. That was our number one goal this year. So I was like, you know what? This is the time my body's really telling me, you know, I gave you a year and a half, Alicia. You need to fix this. Like, you yeah. need to get this done. Yeah. Um, so we got, we, we got me in right away. Um, I'm seeing a doctor, Dr. Miniachi. He um, works with the Cavs, but now he also works at the Cleveland Clinic. Yeah. And um, we have a Cleveland Clinic in Toronto and in Cleveland. And I think they have one in uh, Fort Lauderdale, too. So we did four rounds of shots. We did um, two PRPs and two stem cells. Um, nice. And I was I was mind blown on even the first PRP on how much better I felt. Um, yeah. Because and they ex- said, excuse my ignorance and for the listeners, but the PRP yeah. is yeah. when you centrifuge your blood plasma. And yeah. Is that? Yeah. Yes. Plasma. Re-injected? Yeah. Yeah. And then the stem cell is it's a mix. So they still take your blood, um, and then they fuse it. Um, there's like four different ways you can get stem cell. Like I think it, there's like bone, fat, one or the one I got was embryonic fluid. And then um, I think there's one more, but I forget. Um, but yeah, I got the um, a newborn embryonic fluid and it we did two of them. And, and it didn't I, have to be your own stem cells? No, no. You Interesting. Just yeah, you just mix, they take it as if a normal PRP. They take the blood out, they mix it take the good stuff and then mix it again um, inject and it. inject it and it was um took like 15 minutes to put in it hurt really bad <laughs> yeah but, um I cannot believe how, the way I'm feeling I, I told them I wanted them to inject it in the other one because the, the other one feels <laughs> feels good <laughs> yeah the bad one feels better than the, the good one so yeah. I was like can you do both and he's like no <laughs> Oh, what? <laughs> what? I know because it, there's no point. There's nothing wrong with my other one. I was just, it feels so much better. And I'm just, now I'm, I've been off since May. So that's when it happened. So I'm, I've had the pleasure of um, really doing things that I love off the track. And that's where I've um, gotten really excited about just because I really want to, I want to be more than just known as an Olympic athlete. I think I've always, um, have other interests and I've been very interested in fashion and like I said interior decorating and just things that bring joy to my life um, other than just track and so I've I've switched my mind and I can kind of feel like it's running out now but I'm, I'll be starting October 15th um, again get back into season but um, it's it's quite incredible if you can keep yourself busy how you can train your mind to like let it say that it's going to be okay, that you're going to be fine. It's, it's, it's really great to hear you say that, Alicia. Just coming personally, just telling you as a friend that to mm-hmm. hear you say that is fantastic. To hear that you have those other really positive interests and, and directions with your life. Because mm-hmm. for myself, I didn't have any of that. I was Paul Durden, the volleyball player, 24-7. And when it ended, yeah. 
I was lost. Yeah, it's hard. I was lost. No clue what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Nothing at all even remotely lit me up except my loving wife, Kari. <laughs> I mean, no, but I mean, honestly, but you know, you family, but beyond yeah. that, I mean, personally, the, it, directionless, rudderless. And mm-hmm. so I think it's huge that you have that because it's a, it's a cruel game athletics mm-hmm. in any sport that it can end in an instant, you know, mm-hmm. and no one believes it can happen to them, but I was mm-hmm. not prepared for it. And yeah. uh, it's great that, you know, this is probably a, a blessing that you had this, mm-hmm. this time early in your career to just be able to have those other things, get them going. And then now that you're physically ready, getting back into competing again, which is obviously your first love. Well, it was funny too, because like I said, like, like what you said, like to have a hobby, I didn't really have that before this year. And then, um, as like track became my everything, cause you, I used to have school like until 2016. So I was busy all day where then I became pro my first year. I was excited because I was in a different country every week. And you know, I was flying everywhere. I was exhausted. I was sleeping. And then now year two came around and I almost felt like I was like, oh my God, I'm wasting my life away because track's going well. I don't really do anything <laughs> yeah. else. What else can I be good at? Like, let me do something else. And I've almost felt out of love with track this past year. A lot of people don't know leading up to the Commonwealth. I didn't take off the ground for almost three months. I would not jump. Yeah. I didn't want to be there. I hated it. And I think this happened to me because, um, because it was, it was some, some, somebody was sending me signs on saying like, don't let this trick you. You are obsessed with track and field because I had, I've never not thought about track and field from the day I've gone her. I cannot wait till I get back. I'm more motivated than I have any year I've ever been. I'm like, there's a sense of adrenaline that I didn't get to use up this year that is going to go towards in that bank into next year. And it's so funny how things like that happen because like I said, I walked out in Commonwealth, both you asked my coach, we had no idea what was going to happen. He said, all your number one goal. I know you've had a rough year. I need you to just go out and have fun. And it was incredible on how we, the pressure of the competition wasn't, Usually I can't sleep the night before, but I had known I had been vaulting horribly <laughs> that I was like, I'm not, there was I'm, nothing to lose. I had nothing to lose. And I went out there and I had the performance of my life. And I was, I right there, I re-fell in love. If you can't fall, if you can unfall and re-fall yeah. in love, I did that with pole vaulting. And then all of a sudden I was ready to kill the season and I got hurt like right after. So I'm like still on that high. I finished on a high that I cannot. Um, get that feeling out from and I need that feeling back so I think like after this injury um, starting October I'm just like ready for like 2019 to start so that's fantastic that's fantastic and it's the kind of thing that you know something you love 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 so much Mm -hmm. but if you let it run you down If it's too much, mm-hmm. eventually, you know, it's finding, okay, what's the magic recipe? Mm-hmm. What's that magic amount that, and that's that, that's part of experience, right? Right. right. <laughs> Excuse me. But yeah, I think it, it took me a while to find hobbies, but I enjoy dressing up. And I think that's something I've always loved doing is like being a double, living a double lifestyle, but in the positive way <laughs> on like, I can be, you know, tough and rough and dirty on the track and sweaty and that where then I can you know 
um, look beautiful and strong and confident and powerful in an outfit. And I think um, I love that double life is, um, is, is so good for me and I enjoy it. Well, you look fantastic. Your Instagram posts and, but the personality and the style comes through being a trendsetter. That's, uh, that's a fun thing. You know, it's a, it's a really neat Mm -hmm. thing and it's, it's, um, it's inspiring to other people too. Right. Which is so fun. Um, is there, is there anything that you're afraid of right now? Is there a fear there for you? I think I have like subconsciously, um, I've thought about this, that I just, I feel like because I've taken so much time off, um, that I might not be at the best this coming up year, but I'm trying to ignore it. If that makes sense. I'm trying to, um, take it day by day going in. Um, I'm, I was, I'm nervous that my knee is going to hurt again. I'm, I know that like, (laughs) I'm, I'm going in full force on it as if nothing happened, but I think our minds mentally make a note that we had been recovering this knee. So I know I'm (coughs) going to be a little weaker on that leg. I know I'm going to have to do a little bit more extra work to bring that strength back up. And then I'm just going to have to get confident again, um, pole vaulting, because I mean, it's pole vaulting is an event that you just, you have to want to do it. You have to be there mentally and physically Otherwise, I mean, bad things can happen. <laughs> yeah, it's it's but so unique the... that way that mm-hmm. a lot of sports, you know, there's been games where I'm playing a weaker opponent and I can coast a bit. You right. can't coast in a pole vault. No. There's nowhere to hide. It's no. yeah, 100% to commit. Yeah. yeah, it's so true. And I think that's um, that's what's been so great about vault too. You have to show up. You have to be ready to perform. And I think that's what um, that's what scares me because I feel nobody's nobody's telling me that like they want to see where I am, but I just feel like energy of um, you know other other women that I've vaulted on the circuit with, or you know coaches and other people that talk so highly of my technique. Like, is Alicia going to be able to come back from this? Because they haven't seen me since May, and they won't see me until January. So that's a good what nine months and. Uh, a part of me feels like I won't be able to um, live up to their standards on like getting back. Um, but I'm trying to ignore it, I guess. Every day I'm trying to not think about it and I'm trying to take it day by day and like again, like surprise myself that, you know, you worried for no reason. Draw, draw from the confidence mm-hmm. of knowing that, <clears throat> that coming back from even major surgeries, yeah. but all kinds of knee injuries you can come back stronger than you were mm-hmm. before that injury mm-hmm. which is and lots of athletes have gone through that right. um i think you know a young athlete that i'm working with right now um lauren Hurrell. yeah i do yeah and she's she's fully back from Amazing. a complete acl acl reconstruction oh, that's crazy yeah. right so it's those kind of things that just knowing that okay this having that confidence in, in your body and in that knee, it, uh, it's there and, and knowing that you can, and knowing that, um, the time off can be the perfect thing for your body Mm -hmm. because 
it needs that break. Bodies never keep improving on this perfect linear path. They kind of make these waves, but it's going on the upward trend. So yeah, you, you'll, uh, you'll, you'll be, your Mm -hmm. knee's going to be great. Your, your body's going to thank you for, for having just that little reprieve, that little break. And I, I just, yeah, I'm just hoping I'll surprise myself for sure. I have my goals haven't limited from the last year. I even up my goals as if I accomplished all my goals last year. So every year I write down um, about five goals that I want to accomplish. And so this year I have 10 because I didn't, well, sorry, I have like nine because I accomplished the one. <laughs> um, are, are some of them, are some of them interior, interior decorating? One was actually related. I did it and I did it. Well, what did you so do? My friend bought a condo and I like re-renovated the whole thing. Like even like sand and um stained all the cabinets, ordered all the new appliances, made all the cute little things for the walls and art pieces and um ordered all the beds and everything and I enjoyed it because it wasn't my money. <laughs> <laughs> That is awesome. That is so awesome. Did you, was it fulfilling? Like, did, was it fun? So much fun. Like I have not been up like, cause I train at like noon every day. So I get up at like nine 30, 10, and then I go to practice and then I'm home at like five where here I was up ready for the stores to be open at seven. And I was like there, <laughs> and I was so excited. That was the first time something could get me out of bed that early. And that's awesome. So fun. And that's how I know I just want to do this after track, but I'll be a little bit down the road. (laughs) No, but that's so good. That's so good. Okay. Um, I'm going to fire you with a few questions here just to, uh, just to get some of those things that people might be curious about Mm -hmm. in your life. Like, uh, do you, do you have favorite workouts that you do? Do you have like a couple mm-hmm. favorite things that you really like? I'm obsessed with, um, diagonal runs on the turf. Like I, for some reason, turf feels good on my shins. Um, I always feel like you're running fast on the turf <laughs> and yeah. it's always a good workout, especially the summertime because this, the heat is just blazing down through the, I guess, the, what is the black rock there? The black, uh. Yeah, the little the ground grains rubber on there. In there. Yeah. And then you always feel like you get a really good workout and I always feel so um so I guess fit after those workouts. You know those workouts you go in, you know how some like guys say, you know, they have to lift before they go out so their arms feel good. Yeah. Like I love that workout and I usually do that workout actually the day before I compete because I feel so fit and I feel ready. It's almost like my um my last check Fall. your ritual yeah, ritual. yeah. yeah. so I, I love doing diagonals on like inner fields and that kind of stuff <laughs> what workouts Sweet. do you hate Ooh, the ones or I do you hate, hate any or I mean that's a strong I, word so I know, dislike I, I'm not a, like a hating person but if there's one thing I cannot stand when we have to do is rope climb <laughs> That's like a classic gymnastics. I know. And I used to be so good at it. And then all of a sudden, oh my gosh, it's like now I'm, I'm, I'm like even worse at it. And I don't know how. And it's, it's, you know, Kari, it's like chin up, you know, yeah, you do them every day, all week. And they're still hard, no matter what. They're they're always killer. They're always killer. I know. And so that's so funny. Speaking of chin ups, I remember 
when you were pregnant and I think you beat us all on chin up that one day. <laughs> and I was like, there's no way that she's pregnant. She's beating us. That's crazy. Uh, I, I, I remember all... seeing you do that, hun. I don't know who you're, it was, we're doing testing in the gym and there was a team, uh, probably a volleyball team, female. And you yeah. literally seven months pregnant, go and rip off, you know, seven or eight chin ups talking. <laughs> demoing so and it's not going to count if your arms aren't straight and there's no bounce at the top no kip and you're just talking away ripping off perfect chin-ups and the girls jaws are on the floor just classic we didn't even listen to the instructions it was just full hari doing chin-ups watching her but the, the the good part the reason i had to do them though was because half the time when the guys demo the chin-ups yeah. The female athletes just don't believe they can do them. Right. And so, like, they need that belief that, okay, just because I'm female doesn't mean that I can't do chin-ups. Because they're going to stare at the guy and go, well, he's, he can do the, them because he's got a stronger upper body or he's a guy or whatever, whatever. And so I just, like, I always had to just blow that out of the water to get all of the girls the female athletes to, to understand yeah to buy in that okay don't think you can't do mm-hmm. this and yeah so yeah but th- yeah i was very pregnant at one point because i don't think we started testing them till november and i was due in january, january. Yeah. yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so i will never forget that that is like my fond. <laughs> and and i hope there's not a not so fond memory no, they're all really positive we always had fun there oh. we had with the bakers and nicole stutterington like we had a good group of girls that we would go with very fun. very talented and the guys were very talented yes. too very talented and we have a we should have a track group coming in this year so we'll see we'll see who we've got and um liam mather yes. left i worked with him last uh last season yeah and he's off so that's pretty yeah, cool that's but um so what what else we've got a few other little things here um what would be your favorite foods you could mm. like list a favorite breakfast or a favorite lunch or a dessert okay only one or like for everyone <laughs> whatever whatever you want whatever speaks to you okay well breakfast like my favorite is like over medium with avocado and feta is so good to me is like my oh my god that sounds good it's like so good and it's not filling but like just two eggs and avocado and a little bit of feta cheese it is literally the best like i'll eat that every morning like it's so good (laughs) that Um, is that sounds fantastic oh so yummy and and like my my snack that i really like um i've been craving a lot lately is my kale chips i've been making um they're so good i put them i massage the kale <laughs> yes with olive oil yeah. <laughs> i put it on the um on a just a cookie sheet and i put drizzle coconut oil over top with a little bit of salt and pepper and i put it in for 10 minutes at 350 and they are so they come out crunchy and they're healthy because <laughs> it's kale and it's so, i so i just good. wrote this down just so you know i just wrote that down you have to text <laughs> me and after you have it like it's honestly the best um i i give it to everybody that comes over if i have something and they're like you don't want to eat unhealthy like what can we make and i always make them my kale chips because they're and they're actually pretty oh. filling too 
good. That's so good. Mm-hmm. That's so good. Any desserts? Oh. Anything on the other side of the spectrum? Oh my gosh, yes. I like love so I'm I'm obsessed with icing, so never have a cake if I come to an oh event because I'll lick it off. You sound like Maeve, yeah, our, our little she's she'll just like oh my gosh. It's so yummy. I, I mean I know where she's coming from. It's I mean it's 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 hard to not. Um and then you, you know we're we're off sugar right now, eh? Oh, are you? Oh gosh. Yeah. I don't know if I could do that. I've never done that. 30 days we're off sugar. I might have to do this. Maybe I should start October 1st. I'm going to try. This is only the second time I think, well, this is the second time I've done it in this last year. But before that, the last time I did no sugar was probably 15 years ago. Really? And how are you guys but feeling? It's, oh, we're like fine. three weeks in. Yeah, it's he's easier fine. For me he doesn't, is sweet he doesn't crave. Yeah, he doesn't crave sweets. I'm like. Give me my chocolate every single day, yeah. and then then it, well, I'm good with everybody. But at this point, I'm, yeah, a little testy. So, like, on, <laughs> on everything. So, you have to, like, okay, so what about, like, like there's sugar in everything. Like, what about yeah, fruit? No, cer- no cereal. Well, naturally occurring sugar is no, fine. I won't do anything okay. like cereal or anything that's got sugar added. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, anything that's added processed sugar. So even, but I, even if there was added honey, added cane sugar, added maple syrup, we, then we won't have it. Oh, so wow. if it was sauces or, um, I don't know, what, what are some of the weird things that it comes up in? Like, um, you know, ketchups or right. sauces salt, or some, don't some salt, not our, not the one we have. Some, some salts yeah. do, yeah. but not, not our good. Himalayan huh. pink salt. I might have to so, do this yeah. on October first. I might have to challenge myself and see. Yeah, that's why. That's why I did it now because as soon as Halloween hits, oh yeah, <laughs> then then it's just this barrage of sweets from Halloween all the way through until January. Well, you got to, and so I was like, you got to start reset in- now. Yeah. yeah, so then I'm not craving as much because I w- I just found I was in too much of a habit. And yeah, so that's what we yeah. did. But well, Thanksgiving's gonna be tough. That'd be hard. Well, yeah, that's that's why we did it in September. Yeah. So we we would be done by Thanksgiving. <laughs> Amazing. So what uh, what is your favorite movie? My favorite movie of all time. Yeah. Um, okay, I'm obsessed with Grease and um, <laughs> and Titanic. Those have been like the like I can watch those like on repeat whenever. I'm obsessed with those two movies. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. That's so good. I actually want to be Sandra Grease D. Lightning. Sandra D. For Halloween this year. So I think that's what I'm going to be. Oh, do yeah, it. I know. I got to figure out how to do her curls, though. My hair is getting too long. So maybe I'll have to put a wig on. <laughs> yeah, do the wig. Yeah. Do the wig. And then the black, the black tight um, pants and the leather jacket and all that. Yeah, do it. would be so cute. Um, what about uh, favorite book? Favorite book. You know, I've just finished reading How to Be a Badass. Um, oh, that's a good I, one. I really liked it. Like, that was the first time I really, like, I wrote in the book. Um, usually you're just, like, sitting there. You're like, oh, it's just another story. Or, you know, like, that one I really felt like I could relate to the book. And, like, really yeah, put my goals down. And then, like, you know, even. And funny, too. Yeah, and it's good. And it's, like, it's like dang, that's true. You know? <laughs> you're, like, yeah. Sitting there and like, yeah. Yeah. I did overthink that situation. Like, why am I overthinking that? Yeah. Um, Just to make things difficult. That's what we do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. What about, uh, lastly, 
any tips that you have for young up and coming athletes? You know, we've got um, lots of young pole vaulters in, in London Mm -hmm. in particular, you've really paved the way for a lot of people. Um, what tips might you have for them? Um, I think the number one tip that I have for like in general athletes is I've always told, um, athletes like fail as much as you can. Um, I think a lot of people are, that that's like their biggest fear is to fail, but if you're not failing, then you're not getting better. And that's something over the years that I've realized that you know, when I fail, I had a great day because I learned something and now I don't want to feel that feeling again. Um, Mm -hmm. but also for vaulters, I think our event is very special. It's very unique and you have to embrace that. It scares you. I know a lot of, you know, I think the women pole vault is going crazy right now in the world. You know, they're jumping so high and we're finally figuring it out. And so I think a lot of women pole vaulter lack that confidence on this pole is a little longer, this pole is a little stiffer, but your coach won't put you up on the next pole if he doesn't think it's ready. You are ready for that next pole if they say that next pole. So I always say you have to be just, just be confident. And when you're taking that first step, there's no turning back. You got to commit all the way through um, and just be, be happy, have fun. If it's something like you can't stop thinking about, you can't go one day not thinking about it. Um, then that's what is, that's where you're meant to be. You, where, wherever makes your heart happy is where you should be. And that's, um, by having fun and a positive life. That's like number one. That's, that's amazing. That's 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 (laughs) such a great, it's such a great note to finish on too. And Alicia, you, you know, as long as we've known you, you have been just such a bright light and so fun to be around so vivacious and energetic and driven like your effort and hard work and motivation and what you do is unparalleled. And we're really, really grateful to have you on with us. And we know that your experiences and your story will make a difference for other people who have felt those same ways. And um, we really appreciate you being on. So thank you so, so much. I couldn't have done it without you too, Kari. You you were a huge part of my life. You and Paul were like, you know, you guys, you guys did save me in that strength part of my life. So I really do appreciate um, everything you guys have done for me with this podcast. I mean, this this is incredible. So you guys got to keep going with this. This is great. Thank you so much. Yeah. yeah, thank you so much. We we'll have to have you back, you know, right right after Tokyo and then yeah, the Olympics the after medal. and we got four more Olympics <laughs> to get through with you. So maybe you're talking. We'll, maybe we'll go there and we'll interview you there. How's that sound? Oh perfect. I'll probably be right. in London too, because it'll be a gold medal. So you'll want to touch it, right? <laughs> That's right. That's Deal. right. But we want to go to Tokyo too. So. Oh, oh, oh you're right in Tokyo. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, yes, for sure. That's fantastic. Well, thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Alicia. Okay. Thank you so much for listening. To get more support in living your best life, find us in our free Facebook community, Empowered Top Performers. We're on Instagram at Paul Durden and at Empower Conditioning. Please share this podcast and rate us. A five-star review would mean the world to us. That is how we connect with and support more people to excel in sport and life. Take what you learned today and try it. Progress is perfection.